0: He's just like thrown there and uh, uh,
1: uh, he, it looks like he's bleeding from his mouth. William Bill Wolf was found dead outside his brother's law office in Northeast El Paso on December 5th, 2015.
2: Most times my clients become my friends and, and Bill was my friend.
1: Bill was in the midst of a custody battle over his little girl, then a toddler. It was a bitter divorce from his ex-wife.
2: For some reason, she would just as easily write Bill out of the picture without one thought of how it affected
1: anybody else. The family battle led to Bill's ex-wife fleeing town with their daughter and her parents months
0: before Bill was murdered. During the initial stages of the investigation for the first couple weeks, we could not find them.
1: What started as a murder investigation led to a search for a missing child, the life and death of Bill Wolf, in this episode of Borderland Crimes. <laughs> That's the St. Anthony Seminary Franciscanos Choir, entertaining thousands of people who gathered near San Jacinto Plaza in downtown El Paso on December 5th, 2015.
2: That's a Santa hat, some elf hats. A lot of people of all ages came out to enjoy
3: tonight.
1: They were just one of the many attractions during the Celebration of Lights, the city's annual Christmas tree lighting event
3: but a lot of festivities here, Feliz
2: Navidad playing right now, a lot of people dancing around in the streets. Oh, the fireworks are beginning. Wow, the fireworks are are starting. Let's go ahead and take a look right now. I just heard our own Estella Casas make the announcement, (laughs) and she says, Merry Christmas everyone, a gorgeous
1: sight out here. I think this is always a favorite part. While El Pasoans are enjoying the sights and sounds of Christmas downtown, at nearly the same time, 10 miles away, a woman is calling 911.
0: Yes, I'm calling because there's somebody on Skyline and Neptune on the corner. Um, There's a man just thrown there and he looks to be something's wrong with him.
1: The caller tells the 911 operator she was driving home and noticed the man lying on the ground near Gateway South in northeast El Paso.
3: He's just like thrown
1: there and, and he it looked like he's leaving his mouth. I
4: when patrol went um, and responded, um, saw that he had apparent gunshot wounds, and um, they contained the scene and they, they called us.
1: That's David Camacho, now a sergeant with the police department's Crimes Against Persons division. He and Detective John Armendariz are sent to investigate. Detective Armendariz tells me the crime scene wasn't what they were expecting.
0: The scene was uh, pretty much an open space. It was on the sidewalk in front of a a lawyer's office. So it it took a while for a crime scene and everything uh, to actually encompass every surrounding area of the crime scene. And when the medical examiner got to the scene, we realized it wasn't even a robbery. That's what initially we thought.
1: And there was something odd about how the victim was found.
0: The victim wasn't in a state of defense or a state of uh, aggression. He was actually found holding a cup and uh, like a toiletry bag like almost in a relaxed sense, uh, a relaxed state. So we knew he knew of this person. We have breaking news out of Northeast El Paso.
1: The information that made it into the evening news was very basic.
0: We're being told police are
1: investigating what they call a possible homicide at Skyline and Gateway South. What police also didn't tell reporters at that time was they knew who the victim was. His name was William Wolfe. They confirmed that when Bill's brother showed up at the crime scene and flagged down Camacho.
4: He tells me who is there um, because I am Eric Wolfe and my brother was here at my, my office um, grading some papers. He's a professor at IDPCC at that time. Um, I transport Eric over to uh, police headquarters and I get a statement from him to get some uh, victimology um, information on who he had problems with, who he had been dating, who who divorced him, um, any uh, recent uh, flare-ups with friends, acquaintances, business uh, transactions that he might have made that went sour, just anything and everything we can get. Um, And that's when he tells us that he's been through a bad divorce. It was messy, it was emotional, it was draining. Um, It was very expensive, and um, his ex-wife at the time um, had created a lot of problems for him.
1: We'll learn more about Bill's ex-wife from his friend, the attorney who helped him with his divorce, next on Borderland Crimes. The hours after Bill Wolf was found shot to death in a small parking lot in Northeast El Paso on December 5, 2015, detectives learned he had gone through a messy and painful divorce from his wife, Erica Quinones. Here's what we know about their relationship. Online records show Bill Wolf and Erica Quinones were married in August 2012. Less than a year later, they had a baby. And the baby was only a few months old when, in 2013, the couple ran into marital problems.
2: Bill came to me as a referral from another uh, attorney, his brother, Eric Wolf.
1: That's Patrick Bramblett. He's been practicing law in El Paso for 30 years. But he's really been focused on family law, divorces, child custody cases, for the last 20 Bramblett took Bill on as a client.
2: We initially were, were, were talking about a, a family law case, but very quickly, um, an application for a protective order was filed against him, accusing him of committing family violence against the mother.
1: Bramblett had questions about it since Erica filed for it.
2: I pressed him on the allegations that were made against him of... of um, being inappropriate or or family violence and and he was very sincere uh, uh, that no it it didn't happen it didn't
1: happen like that i can't understand why she would do this bramblett told me what he knew about the allegation i'm removing the name of bill and erica's daughter at the wolf family's request
2: she indicated that he had uh, she was at dinner with her mother with and that he he had made some kind of threat that you, you better get home with her. Uh, and, and it was kind of puzzling, is, is that's everything that you're
1: alleging to form a basis for a protective order? Records show the court denied Erica's request for a protective order. But the couple wasn't done battling in court. Erica filed for divorce the same month.
2: Bill's motivation was, was very simple he understood that he had to share this child with the mother he didn't really understand why the relationship had had uh, deteriorated uh, but he 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 accepted that and his focus simply was on sharing this child and raising this child and and he was very straightforward about that
1: The Wolf's divorce was finalized December 2013, according to court records. And then the custody case over their baby daughter began. Bramblett believed, as a father, William was not asking for too much. He
2: was simply asking to have the joint rights that every parent should have in in information gathering and decision making for the child. And he understood that that the mother would probably be in a, a primary care position and that his time would be specifically provided into the order as to when he has access of the child. He understood that he would have a, a support obligation, that he would actually pay the mother the, the, the child support. That was never of a, a, a big concern to him. He understood what that was supposed to do, and he accepted it. He just wanted to have his access. Certainly didn't anticipate the type of struggle that we had.
1: Erica then accuses Bill of not being physically able to care for their daughter, according to Bramblett. She says he didn't have appropriate accommodations, like a crib, and that he had life-threatening health problems, like sleep apnea. Bramblett says William bought a crib and got a medical device to monitor his sleeping habits. But then Bramblett said things took a more troubling turn.
2: He he felt he was being followed. He felt that that um, things were being put in his vehicle, uh, whiskey bottles. Um, There was some. He had found some old uh, marijuana um, because he thought that he was going to be. Somebody was going to accuse him of these things, and he'd be pulled over, and he, he, he found them. He started searching his, his vehicle. He, he found a tracking device that had been placed on his vehicle. It was an unusual
1: circumstance for someone in his position to be in. Bramblett says William filed police reports about the tracking device, and all that information was relayed to the court handling the custody case.
2: Because of the protective order allegations, um, the exchanges for the child were occurring at the police station, which I felt would certainly be a better choice, and I'm ne- that's never really the preferred way. I mean. If a child feels like they have to be taken to the police because uh, simply to, to have other time with a parent, uh,
1: you have to wonder what that does to the child's psyche. The Wolf's custody battle kept them in and out of the court for months, according to records. Things escalate when Bramblett says Erica would not allow Bill to see their daughter.
2: We filed enforcements because she was violating the possession schedule under the temporary orders. And, and we filed motions for relief from the court to say, look, she's violating the court's order. Um, this has been a, a, a real problem and we need to address it. And when we filed that, we weren't seeking really to, to put her in jail for violating the orders. Even though when you violate a possession order or a support order, you're subject to contempt where you can actually be placed in jail and fined. That wasn't the relief we were seeking. We
1: were just wanting compliance and, and makeup time. And then, in April of 2015, Erica and their daughter were gone. She disappeared. I mean,
2: literally disappeared.
1: In June of that year, the court awarded primary custody of their daughter to Bill, but the girl was already gone.
2: It had taken such a toll on him. Um, he, he was dejected. He, 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 was, uh, he was frustrated. Uh, my system had let him down You could tell he had a big hole in him where where that child was supposed to be. He was somewhat of a broken man. And uh, I I told him, man, I'll never quit. I'll never quit looking. I'll never quit trying to to make this right, Bill. And, and, And he accepted and understood that. I wish I could have done more for him.
1: In April 2015, Erica Quiñones took off with the daughter she had with Bill Wolf and fled El Paso. Eight months later, Bill was shot to death. In the hours after the shooting, police had learned about Bill and Erica's tumultuous divorce. And while they wanted to talk with Erica, Sergeant David Camacho and Detective John Armendariz told me They knew they first needed to vet alibis from a list of people connected to him.
4: Different people that he would talk to go on different dates, Um, nothing extravagant. Um, uh, Taco Bell, uh, Taco Cabana date that we found. Um, There was a local concert that he had uh, attended uh, for a local band in the downtown area uh, with some friends and a a female. Um, So at that point we started separating all the people within his contacts um, so we can see who he last went on a date with. Do they have a spouse that's upset? Um, do they have a boyfriend that's upset?
1: But everyone's alibis held up. Nearly a week later, still no arrests. So Police are asking for help. They're making this case the crime of the week. Detectives started looking for Erica. But as we know, Erica is gone with their daughter.
0: We checked known addresses. We checked employers. We could not find them anywhere. And as we began speaking to the family of, of uh, Mr. Wolf more and more, we started realizing that they hadn't seen him in several months.
1: They learned more from Erica's extended family about the way she left.
4: They start telling us that they up and left and said goodbye, um, that they needed to leave and they were gonna go live on an island and um, they needed to, to just, they were in danger, so they needed to leave. So that in itself was a red flag.
1: Another red flag came in the form of a tip. A man went to the police station saying his dad was friends with Erica's dad, Javier Quiñones. This is what he told detectives had happened earlier that year.
0: Mr. Quiñones actually asked my dad for a hitman. We're like, what? He goes, yeah, he wanted to hire a hitman to go after him. Uh, Mr. Wolf.
4: And now that I'm watching this on the news and I'm reading this on the newspaper, I'm putting two and two together, and I just think it's something that you guys need to know.
1: That prompted Armendariz and Camacho to dig deeper. They came across the civil court documents showing just how ugly the divorce was between Bill and Erica.
0: It was just report after report, uh, them reporting on each other different allegations. mistreatment of drug usage, uh, assaults, and it was just back and forth, back and forth for several months. And I was like, wow, this is, there's a little bit more to the story. We're probably going to have to keep pushing this.
1: They kept pushing and digging. That's when they learned Erica's parents, Javier and Guadalupe, were also gone. They found the couple had emptied the home they had lived in for 50 years and put it on the market.
0: And at some point, we said, well, what do we have to lose? Let's run Javier and let's see where he's at. So let's run his name in the system. So we ran him in NCIC, uh, the National Crime Database, and then Border Crossing. We ran them through every database we could think of just to try to see where they popped up. We ran their credit history to see if they applied for service, uh, connecting services for phones or for utilities somewhere just to give us a clue. And we actually were alerted by CBP that he crossed from Mexico, from Tijuana, Mexico, into the United States in San Isidro, um, California. So we were like, wait a minute, that's a little bit out of the way, but that's the day before the murder.
1: You heard right. They found Javier Quiñones had crossed into the US from Mexico into California a day before his former son-in-law was killed. Bill's friend and attorney, Patrick Bramblett, had told me at the time, Bill didn't think it far-fetched for the Quinoneses to be out of the country with his daughter.
2: The last time I spoke to him was on the phone, just briefly, how you doing, brother, and, you know, I haven't forgotten about you. And he always said, uh, you know, I think they're in Mexico. You know, we'd already confirmed that his parents had moved out of their home, she'd quit her job, all of those things that that indicated that they weren't Locally here.
1: So police had evidence the Quiñoneses were in Mexico. And listen to what else detectives found after searching for Javier.
0: We catch him an hour after the murder, heading south into Mexico at Santa Teresa.
1: Javier was in San Isidro, California the day before, then somehow traveled about 730 miles over 10 hours to El Paso, where Bill was murdered. And an hour after Bill was killed, his former father-in-law was photographed by U.S. Customs and Border Protection crossing back into Mexico at the port of entry in Santa Teresa, New Mexico, just outside of El Paso.
4: When we mapped it uh, from the crime scene to the Santa Teresa uh, port of exit, um, it can take anywhere from 39 to 57 minutes, you know? So that that was the range that we were
0: looking at, and it fit. We even had to try to time the time it would have had to taken Javier to drive from the scene to cross you know, which routes would have been the fastest going through, uh, through I-10 downtown at the in time the of the parade.
3: ...in downtown El Paso because the tree is lit, the fireworks are going off, it's a gorgeous sight, all eyes are on the sky right now. We're Crystal.
4: trying to factor in everything. So now we had to really start looking at how are we going to be able to talk to them, because obviously just exiting the country an hour after your ex-son-in-law is murdered and you hating his guts is not probable cause for an arrest warrant for murder.
1: But detectives did have a motive. They found evidence Erica intended on keeping Bill's daughter away from him.
0: A relative of Erica actually came forward and she said, Look, this is bothering me. They left a box of things at my house and they gave us directions what to pay, when to pay it, and how to log into their bank accounts and, and where these checks are going to go to or, or come in from and I think it was even the specific how much money to put in college fund. And I was like oh interesting can we see this box and when they brought it to us it was stuff that a normal person would not separate from. It was social security cards, uh, driver's license, bank accounts, uh, debit cards, checks, passports, deeds to their home. And then I started going through the, the documents and I actually found instructions on sell the house, sell the car, deposit the money here, uh, her logins. And it was weird because it was Erica writing the email to herself, and then it was a printout.
1: Armendariz and Camacho wanted to get to Erica and her dad, and they suspected they were together.
0: We need to find a way to get an arrest warrant to find her, and and it was a gamble. Uh, We we debated it before we pitched it to the investigative team and to the district attorney's office. We debated what the possibilities would be. Would we flush Javier and, and, and Guadalupe further into Mexico with the baby, or would we gamble it and actually get them to come looking for Erica if we were to capture
1: her? Erica was in violation of the court order issued in June 2015, awarding primary custody to Bill the crime is called interference with child custody, and it's a state jail felony. Detectives say because they suspected Erica was with her parents, they drew up arrest warrants for her, as well as Javier and Erica's mother, Guadalupe.
0: If we can get our hands on Erica, that's going to flush Javier out. Because if he's willing to hire a hitman to kill uh, Mr. Wolf, he's going to come looking for his daughter.
1: The plan to find Erica next. January 6th, 2016. It had been just over a month since Bill Wolf was shot and killed outside his brother's law office in northeast El Paso. That's when KVIA ABC7 talked with police to get an update.
0: Somebody must have seen
4: something. It was daylight hours. We know that somebody has some information. We need them to call.
1: Detectives were getting closer to their suspect, Javier Quiñones, Bill's former father-in-law. They believed he was living in Mexico, along with his wife and Bill's ex-wife, Erica, and her daughter. They thought they were south of the California border. That was based on evidence they found of Javier crossing the border into the U.S. from Tijuana into San Isidro, California, which he did the day before Bill was killed. Then, detectives got more information pointing to where Erica was.
4: We started looking at financials, and we learned that she has a P.O. box in um, San Diego, California.
1: And they also learned she was waiting for a credit card to be delivered to that P.O. box. So if she was hiding in Mexico, at one point, she'd have to cross back to check that P.O. box. They submitted her info to the National Crime Information Center, alerting all law enforcement agencies across the country. She was wanted on a felony of interference with child custody. On January twenty third, they got the break they were hoping for.
4: We got a call from the Customs and Border Protection at the San Ysidro point of entry that um, Erica Quinones was stopped at secondary, um, and she was by herself.
1: The detectives say, to also get her parents, they asked CBP to release her vehicle to someone she knew. So, she calls her parents.
0: First it was dad, but then they left Guadalupe and in Mexico. And we get told, okay, well we have the father now. And I'm praying at this point, I'm like, God, please don't let her run away. Or, now what do we do if they don't have And they left her with the babysitter. Like, what, what, what do we do now? Whatever we do, we're gonna draw Guadalupe out now with the baby, we need the baby. We can't have her floating in Mexico. It went from, yeah, we needed to find a murder suspect to, you know what, if a family were to go to the extreme of killing an ex for the sake of keeping a child, what kind of danger is this child going to be in? You know, what 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 kind of life will this child be subjected to? And and what, you know, it's just something that we could not bear to even imagine.
1: Then Erica's mom took the bait.
4: 30 minutes that she, because she realized that her husband wasn't coming back and she wanted to see what was going on, so curiosity got the best of her. She goes and checks on him and they take her into custody and they confirm that they do have Obviously, she didn't have any um, identifying um, IDs on her birth certificate or anything, but we can reasonably say it based on her description, who she's with. So now all three of them were in custody, and so is with CPS in San Diego.
1: But the girl didn't stay with Child Protective Services for long. Law enforcement reached out to the Wolf family. Bill's friend and attorney, Patrick Bramblett, describes the call he got from Bill's brother. Eric
2: called me. He said that he had been contacted by the FBI, that um, they had outside of San Diego and he was on his way. And he asked me to do whatever I needed to do um, so that he, he would have the authority to, to take it. That That was really emotional. Eric had such a a strong resolve. I owe it to to my dead friend to do what I can do for his job.
1: Meantime, El Paso police detectives were also headed to California to talk to Javier. We hear the police interview for the first time next on Borderland Crimes. January 23, 2016, seven weeks to the day Bill Wolf was murdered. Detectives sat across from Javier Quiñones, Bill's former father-in-law, inside what looks like a large classroom at the San Diego County Jail. Remember, this man had asked a friend if he knew a hitman months before Bill's death, and had been photographed both entering the country from Mexico a day before the murder and leaving the country less than an hour after the murder was committed. Detective Armendaris also tells me, by then, they knew Javier had access to Bill's daily schedule. Remember the box full of personal information left with a member of the Quiñones family?
0: In the box was a a notebook, uh, a binder, and there was a report from a uh, private investigator that Erica had actually hired. And in that binder, this public uh, or this private investigator actually wrote a synopsis and and a detailed investigation on uh, Mr. Wolf's day to day routine. They knew exactly where he was going to be, they knew exactly what time he was going to be there.
1: One more thing on the day of Bill's murder, Camacho says someone who worked near the crime scene revealed they saw someone suspicious in the area.
4: She says, I feel so guilty, and I ask her why. She says, "Um, as I was leaving, um, there was a short Hispanic male wearing a leather jacket. Um, It almost seemed like a Peeping Tom type incident because he was along the pillars, along the wrought iron fence that's adjacent to the, or parallel to the building, and he was peering and he was kind of peeking into the building. Um, And I, I didn't think anything of it and I drove home when I turned on the news, I see this, so now I'm putting two and two together.
1: Lots of circumstantial evidence. Now detectives needed to get something concrete. This is the police interview with Javier, never heard before by the public. The interview is in Spanish, Javier's preferred language, and the audio isn't very clear. Detective Camacho, now a sergeant, led the questioning.
4: Our line of questioning was um, there initially for the offense of interfering with child custody, um, because that's what you're arrested for. Um, You know, what are the ins and outs? Why did you guys leave? Uh, what is it that's going on? You told your family that you were in, in fear of your safety and your family's safety. What are you in fear of? We're the police, we can help you if you're if somebody has threatened your life. Um, so we need to get to the bottom of this.
1: Here's what Javier said to detectives about why they left. It's hard to make out, but Javier also claims after a court hearing. Bill threatened to kill Erica and take their daughter.
4: That did not pan out, and that was non-credible information. But that is the information that Erica fed to her parents um, to kind of cushion that failure in life because in their eyes she had never failed at anything, and now she had failed at marriage because they were uh, divorced.
1: The interview lasted nearly an hour and a half. Javier spent a lot of that time disparaging Bill, then, Detective Camacho tried to turn the direction of the interview to the murder.
4: I tell him, okay, I said, if I show you something so you know that I'm not lying, will you start being honest with me? And he says, um, yeah, what are you gonna show me? And I had a printout in my pet folio. <clears throat> and I print out a picture of him exiting the country um, at Santa Teresa because at the camera in Santa Teresa you have to show your passport and it takes a quick picture of you, and you exit the country. And I said, "Who's that?" Uh, he says, "That's not me." Um, and I said, "Maybe it's your twin, since you're telling me about your twin." I said it sarcastically, um, and he caught on and he says, "No, he says that's that's not me." Okay. And I said, and that's you, and we can prove that, and that is 38 minutes after William is shot. I said, what did you come to El Paso to do?"
1: It took an hour to get to this point in the interview. And the back and forth went on for almost 15 minutes. Camacho warns him to tell the truth.
4: I said, just let's just talk like men. What happened that day?
1: You can hear Javier admit to murder, a matar. a matar.
4: He says, well, I came to kill him. Just like that? Just like that.
1: Camacho said Javier laid out how he killed Bill. He used the private investigator's notes to follow him, approached him outside of the law office in Northeast El Paso on December 5th, 2015, and with the gun wrapped in a black plastic bag, shot Bill in the chest before driving off.
4: Maybe he's trying to cover this up for Erica, and Erica did the murder, uh, but he's trying to cover it up. But he had details that only the murderer would know, and nobody else puts a female at the scene, only a male matching his description.
1: And a chilling admission when detectives asked Javier how he felt about killing Bill.
4: No.
1: Nothing. Javier Quinones said he felt nothing when he took the life of his former son in law. Then, The detectives moved on to Erica.
4: We treated her like uh, a witness in the case. Um, When did you see your dad leave? When did he come back? What did he tell you? Um, And obviously she cooperates that, yes, he left during that time, um, but never said, I told him to go kill um, Will. Um, I told him to go take care of this or nothing like that. Nothing implicating herself other than on the act of taking and not relinquishing her to Will. We can never prove that um she he told her or she gave him instructions to do so i know i have an opinion on the case and i'm sure john does as well um, but we can never prove that and that's what's important in the courts
1: the quinones's capture on january 23rd the big break in the case made the news. Arrests have been made in the mysterious murder of 41-year-old El Paso Community College professor William John Wolf. His ex-father-in-law, mother-in-law, and wife are all in custody in California.
0: According to police, wolf's ex-wife Erica Quinones wolf fled the country with the child after losing custody. She and Wolf's former father-in-law Javier Ariano Quinones and mother-in-law Guadalupe Quinones have been charged with interfering with child custody. The ex-father-in-law Javier Quinones has also been charged with murder.
1: The Quiñoneses were brought back to El Paso a week later, and the process of bringing them to court began. Why no one on the jury heard Javier's confession next? <music>
4: Testimony begins in the trial of an El Paso man accused of killing his own son-in-law.
1: On October 24, 2017, just weeks shy of the second anniversary of Bill Wolf's death, a jury begins hearing evidence in the murder trial of Javier Quiñones, Bill's former father-in-law. His death happened during a bitter child custody battle. Before the trial began, the judge ruled Javier's confession to El Paso police detectives made in January 2016 while being held in a San Diego County jail was not admissible.
4: At some point in our, um, in our interview, he makes a mention that um, I think I want a lawyer. Before he confessed to the murder, we sat down and said, do you want to continue this informa- this um, this interview with or without an attorney? And he says without. Javier yo says
1: sin abogado, no attorney. And even though it's recorded, it wasn't enough.
4: That was the prosecution's strategy, and they did not use the the um, the confession um, in trial, um, just to avoid problems.
1: So the prosecution relied on the evidence, autopsy photos, eyewitness testimony that put a man matching Javier's description at the crime scene. photos of Javier entering and leaving the country around the time of the murder. And that disturbing tip from Javier's friend, the details made the evening news. Cumero Valenzuela Ramirez took the stand and said Quiñones called him out of the blue in the summer of 2015 and told him his daughter was getting divorced and they were trying to gain full custody of the girl. He said Quiñones told him they were worried they would lose the case because Wolf was influential. He then said Quiñones asked him if he knew a sicario. The man testified he was upset that Quiñones would ask him that. He said he never saw Quiñones that way. Breaking news, a verdict was just announced. Three days into the trial, Jurors came to a unanimous conclusion. Jurors found Javier Quiñones guilty of murder. The jury only deliberated a couple of hours after closing arguments this morning. He was also found guilty on a second charge of interference with child custody. The sentencing phase will begin this afternoon. And it only took a couple of hours after deciding Javier's guilt to determine how long he should serve for the crime. We have breaking news just within the past half hour. An El Paso jury has sentenced Javier Quiñones to life in prison for the murder of his former son-in-law. But the case wasn't over just yet.
0: There was still that lingering issue about what's gonna happen to this poor little girl.
1: Erica was awaiting trial on the state jail felony of interference with child custody. The El Paso District Attorney added a more serious charge of aggravated kidnapping because of Bill's murder. But would the charge against Erica lead to a trial? And what if she was found not guilty? Who would raise Bill's daughter? Another legal fight was about to begin, and Bill's friend and attorney, Patrick Bramblett, was ready.
2: As long as there was breath in my raggedy body, I was going to bring some some stability and certainty in his child's life.
1: A new custody battle between Erica and the Wolf family next on Borderland Crimes. When the Quinoneses were captured, crossing into California from Mexico in January 2016, the Wolf family worked with attorney Patrick Bramblett to take custody of Erica and Bill's daughter, who was now three.
2: This court was very well aware of how we got here. Um, and, and then, of course, we had to put on the proof of, of what happened since the court had last seen us in, in June, the murder. When they tried to re enter from Mexico, you know, the fact that they're basically fugitives and, and that the laws mean very little to, to them, and certainly the court's orders mean very little to them. So we had a, a heightened burden to prove that if you give her, this child back to the mother, the child's emotional and physical welfare are in danger.
1: The court ruled in the Wolf's favor, granting temporary custody of the girl to Eric, Bill's brother, and then to Sonia, Bill's sister. It took until August of 2019, three and a half years after Erica's arrest, for her aggravated kidnapping case to go to court. Bramblett was called as a witness. It was one of the few times he saw Erica since she fled the country in 2015, and he says it was chilling.
2: She always presented a flat effect, which was actually a bit troubling. She's blunt, direct, and and very flat. I would have expected more of an emotional response at any point than I ever got.
1: Her trial only lasted a few days, On Friday, August 9th, Erica was convicted of the more serious charge of aggravated kidnapping. That charge carries a sentence of five years to life in prison. Once she was convicted, she looks for a deal, and she gets it. The day the sentencing trial was supposed to begin, the prosecutor told the judge the defense team proposed Erica serve 10 years probation in her new home state of Oregon and she would also give up parental rights to her daughter. So, no jail time and no daughter. The court order granting the request was signed that day.
2: People might try to judge Ms. Quinones from the idea of, wow, she'd just give up her, her child. I don't think it's that simple. I like to think that it's a realization That she was not going to be ever in a position to be the child's mother. And and it was an acknowledgement on her part that there's probably something better that can happen for this child. At least that's what I like to do.
1: Giving her a little benefit of the doubt that ultimately she's doing this for the child's best interest? Yeah, I hope so.
2: It, it was an inevitable thing, I think, it, it, as long as there was breath in my raggedy body, I was going to bring some some stability and certainty to this child's life. It, it certainly wouldn't have uh, been in this child's interest that after a 20-year prison sentence, all of a sudden the person who's done the things that, that were done, pops up and says, well, I'm here, I'm, I'm mom, hand, hand her over. If, if there was any way I could keep that from being the case for this child, I was going to do that. But I like to think that, that she ultimately saw a greater good and for once considered something other than her own impulses or desires.
1: I had wondered if investigators who do the legwork ever have any contact with victims and families after the trial is over. In this case, Detective Armendariz and Sergeant Camacho tell me they did. Shortly after Erica's trial, the wolves invited them to meet Bill's little girl at a school dance. They showed me a picture they took with the girl, the sergeant and the detective, smiling kneeling next to a happy little girl in a jean dress with sparkly shoes.
0: It was a good relief.
1: That came as the detectives were in the middle of investigating the mass shooting at Walmart in East El Paso on August 3rd, where 22 people were killed.
0: It was really well needed at that time.
4: We have an invested interest in our community to feel safe everywhere we go. So seeing that to come to fruition with this little girl Walking around feeling safe and just knowing that she's okay gave us a sense of relief and a sense of accomplishment um, working for the victim and working for the family. Um, So it was a privilege, it was an honor and it felt great.
1: Out of this horrific tragedy that tore two families apart, there is hope that this little girl can succeed surrounded by her dad's family.
2: I am very assured and have confirmed with my own eyes and heart and ears and everything, this child is in very good hands, in very loving hands. There is a family nucleus. The only thing missing it is Bill.
1: Hours before I posted this podcast, An update on the case. El Paso police confirmed to me Erica Quinones was arrested in her home state of Oregon on a charge of making a false report to a federal special investigator. I obtained the arrest affidavit from police, which states Erica told the Social Security Administration her former sister-in-law, Sonia Wolf, was misusing Bill's benefits. Erica also claimed she... Should be receiving those benefits. Sonia Wolf is Bill's sister and the little girl's legal guardian. As of November 18th, she is now the girl's adoptive mother. According to the SSA, Erica made that claim on August 31st. That's just about three weeks after Erica was found guilty of aggravated kidnapping three weeks after she signed away parental rights to her daughter to avoid a possible sentence of 5 to 99 years in prison. On November 1st, Erica was arrested in Hermiston, Oregon, about three hours east of Portland, near the border with Washington State. El Paso police expect Erica to be in their custody on November 21st. I'll let you know about any other updates. Thank you to attorney Patrick Bramblett, who was candid about the painful loss of his client and friend, Bill Wolfe. And thank you to the El Paso Police Department, with a special thanks to Sergeant David Camacho and Detective John Amendaris, who walked me through their thorough investigation. This has been Borderland Crimes, a podcast produced by KVIA-TV, ABC 7 in El Paso. This podcast is produced, written, and edited by me, Stephanie Vallet. The audio engineers are Chris Swan, John McMinn, and John Ross. The executive producer is David Gonzalez, and the news director is Brenda Deanda Swan. Stay tuned, I'll bring you another episode of Borderland Crimes soon.